going on y'all boy russell the fourth hey everybody it is me brandy and welcome to another episode of the what they never told us podcast <laughs> season something episode some it's just not even effective anymore season just, five <laughs> episode 15 it's just not even effective anymore 15 oh, 16 17 one of them sounds ridiculous <laughs> yeah nah glad to be back how was your day today um, it was good. I got a little power nap in and then I went right to work. So I've been busy. See, this is usually Can't when I ask that, that. Usually when I ask that, I'm just asking for the sake of like uh, pre-show jargon. But now we're fresh off of like not being around each other all day. So that's like a legitimate, like, how was your day? What? You know, sometimes when I ask you, how was your day? I've been with you all day. It's been a Saturday. We're recording. I've been with you all day, but I asked you just for like, you know, but this, this is, is my day. My, you don't know how my day is just because you with me. Yeah, I got a good idea. I don't think so. <laughs> I got a good idea. Like, I'll be having a good idea. My day is. Um, yeah, nah, but yeah, my day. Thanks for asking. You're Instead of complaining about my question. You're welcome. Uh, my day was all right. Yeah. It was a it was a Monday for show. It's the fact that Woo. we already had this conversation, so we got to try to like fabricate it for the show, which makes oh, it but like, when I bring it up, then it, see how you do. See how it just do. makes it like <laughs> we literally just talked about this. But anyway. I'm glad that you made it through your day, roaches and all. You don't so, care. I am. Did you, what'd you say? I said roaches and all. I so hope you just bring that home. So you just say that. And like leave it open to make people think we got roaches, and no, that's crazy. No, it doesn't. Because I said, I hope you didn't bring that home. So, y'all, it was a roach in my office today. <laughs> now, if y'all don't know, I work in a school. I work with students, and in my office lately, I have a book. I have a coat rack. Okay, and I've opened up the coat rack for late students to, you know, just throw your coat up there, you know. Mm -hmm. And today it was a roach in my office. I ain't been in my office all day. I saw that, killed it, threw every coat out on the floor in the hallway, threw a fit, and I ain't stepped foot back in that office. So, yeah, nah. Listen, send your kids to school right now. Even if you got them at home, give them a little pat down before they get out the door. Sweep them down. Some people can't help it. Oh, look here. <laughs> now my skin. Yeah, you know when you think you see a bug or something for your skin crawl? That's what's happening to me right now. Paranoid. Anyways, so, hey, we had a fire date night. And by fire, I mean we had a lot of new experiences. Uh, number yeah, one. It wasn't fire. It was not fire at all. Number one, let me tell you this, okay? <laughs> I have a newfound, I already respected vegans and vegetarians because of the level of dedication but now I know just how dedicated you are. Cause y'all food nasty. I'm just gonna say it. Don't do that. I, I'm just don't do say that. It. Cause you've only had me. one. You only went to one vegan restaurant. You're not gonna generalize the whole community. <laughs> I don't beat around the bush. But I'm sure there's some people who know how to make it taste it's good. Just, it's just very simplistic, and maybe it's just because we're not used baby, to eating. You're that. doing that thing where you talk in real broad terms. You ate at one vegan restaurant. Just because I've only ate at one vegan restaurant doesn't mean that. Vegan food How isn't much simplistic. Experience? It's not complex. That's the whole point of it is to remove all the frou-frou and just eat 
what comes from the earth. I, I disagree. Okay, well, so that's for your our, prerogative. For our mac and cheese, we have mac and cheese. When they want to make cheese, <laughs> what they have to do to create the false cheese is far from simplistic. I take carrots. I cook that down right until it's a puree. Then I puree it. Then I put a little uh, a walnut dust in it to thicken it up. The stuff you got to do for vegan food to even make it taste Anywhere in the vicinity of real food. Give me the meat and chemicals. That's just <laughs> where I've landed at. Look here. I. So let's, uh, let's back up. So we went to this spot in Lansing. Was mm-hmm. it? Yeah, we were in Lansing. Should we say the name of the restaurant? Whatever. It's called Veg Head. We went to a spot called Veg Head. Looked up the reviews, but it's like, look, let's just try them out. But I just realized it's vegans leaving reviews. It's vegans leaving reviews. So it's probably not people you can't like trust. us. You can't even trust their opinion. I can't even trust their Y'all don't even know what it's supposed to taste like. So the mac and cheese is so good. How do you know? <laughs> so, it's good for vegan mac and cheese. So look. Say that. Number one. Um, so we saw this documentary on Netflix. Uh, it's called You Are What You Eat. The are Twin what you eat. Studies Experiment or something like so that. So they take these two twins, right? If you haven't seen it, check it out. But. Be warned, okay? It's going to make you want to make some life changes, okay? <laughs> we saw this bug. They have two twins. They do testing before they do this experiment. And genetically, the twins are the same. They are identical, identical twins. So one twin gets a carnivore's diet. Um, and a the healthy other carnivore's one, diet, Yeah, too. like a, yes, very healthy, yeah. very nutritious, but protein-forward diet and mm-hmm. then the other one has to be vegan and they study like sexually how it affects them mentally how it affects them physically their strength emotionally and can i point out one absolutely genetic age that one fascinated me yeah, because that was a good one. you have the age that you are physically but there's your genetic age so when we look at your body <laughs> when we look at your organs and we test all that stuff how old is your body. I would definitely be older than my chronological age. Yeah, so you could be 30 genetically, you could have the body of a 20-year-old. Yeah, that's not gonna be me. You could be 20 with genetically had a body of a 50-year-old. That's gonna be more mine. So it's gonna add 22 to whatever mine is. So they go throughout this experiment. It was entertaining, it was dope. Needless to say, the the carnivore diet, it wasn't like it was that bad because they all both of them were working out. They had healthy, balanced meals, all of that. But genetically, the vegans reverse their age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and while they're doing this experiment, they're also taking you into like behind the scenes of like meat farms and uh what are they what do they call those not, not meat farms what is what are those chop shops what are those called they had a name for them i don't know yeah like but where they, the places where like chickens are raised to go to slaughter slaughtered, yeah pigs are raised to go to slaughter and, and we're not even going to that well listen it's let, i do just a little bit because yeah. i trusted this documentary because that wasn't the focus of it yeah. right most of the documentaries that you see, like the focus is to convince you not to eat meat. What anymore. the health? <laughs> what the health scared the mess out of me. That's another documentary on Netflix. What the health? Scared the health out of you, huh? Nah, I scared, scared it into me. Into I was you. a vegan for two days straight. <laughs> Sit here. I'm... 
Food. They don't even know how to cook no vegan food. Just eating cauliflower. <laughs> rice cauliflower. Eating rice cakes like <laughs> suffering. Just trying not to die. Yeah. So I trusted the opinion of them in regards to like how, how these farms and how these animals are raised and treated because that wasn't the primary focus. Like they're just showing you what goes into like once you eat it, this is what happens to your body. This is the effect versus vegetables and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to be eating as much meat as I did prior to learning all of these things. Yeah. Now, that coupled with our corporate fast that we're on, I was pretty much ready to give up everything but seafood. And I'm still I'm still a little bit there, although I did see some bomb just like, fried chicken wings. And <laughs> I was I like, can't talk about it. maybe I could have one or two of them yeah. in the future. But the way them chickens was living... Yeah, baby. But newfound respect for vegans, okay? Because y'all are in it to win it. Okay, yeah, the level and of commitment. It the takes level to... of commitment, like, and if you know the food ain't hitting, and please, if y'all listen to this and you are vegans and you like, no, I know a bomb spot you got to try. Hit us up because this did not leave a good impression. They gonna tell us the one. What's the one? The the famous one in Atlanta. What's that? I don't know. Yes, you do. The famous vegan? I don't yeah, know. Like vegan. Fa- it's like a. This is not my market. I'm not the audience. Slutty vegan. Oh, okay. Slutty vegan. Okay. Yeah. I'm. We're, if you don't know, we're in Michigan. If you know somewhere around <laughs> us. Like Lansing, Detroit. You know what I'm saying? It looked like they had some bombs in Chicago when I Googled it. I mean, the food For looked sure. it's a very closer. similar to what we eat. And I think it would have been a, a more palatable. This is what vegan needs. This is what the vegan community needs right here. And this is from a meat eater, a true carnivore. Okay. Y'all need your own dishes. Y'all need to stop making things to be close <laughs> to things that we ate beforehand. You need just new dishes, something that's only vegan. Like when I go eat Mediterranean, I'm eating a dish that's only Mediterranean. Yes. It might have some of this. Y'all need your own stuff. But when you tell me this is wings, I'm automatically going into it expecting wings. Yeah, we had some cauliflower wings at the restaurant, which was literally breaded cauliflower with a sauce on the side. Just call it fried cauliflower. <laughs> like, don't do that where you're making it wings. Because now I'm going into it, holding it to the standard that I hold a good fried chicken wing. And that's just not that. And part of the, uh, the I don't know, the ambiance, I guess, of fried chicken, to me, is just a little bit of grease. Like, I like... Squeezing it, that cauliflower had no grease in it. It it wasn't greasy, but those were fried. Those weren't like air fried cauliflower. I, I don't I don't know. I'm gonna call them and see how they made that cauliflower. Yeah, let me see. Let me see something. But <laughs> hey, shout out to the vegans. You are what commitment looks like, and we respect it over here. Shout out to y'all. Um, but woo, we still we still. Are trying our hand right now tonight. We're we're yeah. We're having a lion's mane mushrooms. Look but, at us, y'all. But we're making it like a like a pan seared chicken thigh. So. Everything, everything. <laughs> so so I'm going into it like I hope this tastes like chicken. Not like, me. I know it's. I'm telling myself. I know it's a mushroom. It's not gonna taste like ooh. chicken. But maybe it'll give me a little a little meaty little, little something. The only thing I. I'm finding that I just can't get past. It's like everything is one texture. If I'm eating raw vegetables, they're all just crunchy, one note, 
I, I need some variety. If I cook them, everything's mushy. Like I just need, like if I'm eating chicken, I have the chew of the chicken, but then I have the smoothness of the mashed potatoes. Then I have the creaminess of the gravy. And then maybe if I have a little corn on the side, I got a little. Oh, you're it. a foodie. <laughs> Like it's a variety. That like was I need like my... Ratatouille. When he was <laughs> you ever seen that movie Ratatouille? No. Hey, the way Dog was explaining, like the great, the crunch of the grapes and the velvety of the cheese. Like what you just went into was like I need my plate to be well rounded in flavor and texture. So if I'm wild. just eating something that's one note, it just one note gets, of texture. Did you yeah, call it texture notes? Yes, one note. It just gets very blah to me. So I can only eat like a couple bites, and then I'm like, okay, next. If it's someone here who's got a food network connection. Hook my baby up because y'all see what she giving up right now. Like that was that was legit. <laughs> so there was that. Then we went to the movies. Yes. And we checked out Book of Clarence. Okay. Now we're giving because there's a lot of people I see don't talking about any, it. Don't give it away. No spoilers. None, no spoilers. So it's safe for you to keep listening. Um, but a lot of the people I see putting their like two cents in on it are people who aren't necessarily Christian. So, like, for the people who, like, man, I don't play about my Jesus, they be like, I don't know if I want to go see this because I ain't going to let nobody play in my Savior face and I pay money for a ticket. So, So we I went and saw it for you, for those people that are like that. We went and saw it, okay? And I will say this. No spoilers once again, but I will say this. Do not go in expecting a theologically sound history lesson and drama about the uh, birth death and burial of jesus christ like that's not what this is it's not the passion of the christ no not at all it's a very satirical rendition of someone who had proximity well not in real life but had proximity to jesus a fictional story yes very fictional it's funny they inserted specific things that made you not take it serious like because there might be maybe say one scene where it's like oh man that was really powerful but then Right after that, there's something funny instituted. So, you know, okay, this is not meant to be a biblical history lesson here. This is a movie and it is made for the purposes of entertainment. I don't think there was anything in there that made me get in my Christian bag like, oh, my God, this is blasphemous. I was about to say, yeah, there's nothing in there that rung to us like this is disrespectful to our faith Mm -hmm. or nothing like that. It has some feel good moments. It's definitely it's not a Christian movie. No. It's not a Christian movie, so you ain't taking your kids to see it. Uh, there was some profanity stuff like that, um, but it's not. It's nothing too crazy. Um, Did they curse? I don't think they cursed in it, but it's still not for kids. Yeah, like they were smoking weed. Yeah, it's not for kids. They're smoking weed. Like, I would, and I, I just, I'm just I noticing think I, that that I don't think I think that I they heard did. some cussing. Really? Yeah, I'm not 100. If there, if there was, it was very minute. It wasn't over the top. But once again, it's not a Christian movie. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this: there were a lot of people in uh, biblical days who were impersonating and claiming to be the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So it is a fictional story about someone who was claiming to be the Messiah. And there was stories and notes of redemption and stuff in there. So it's a feel good movie. And some things that even on my little, you know, my little Christian heart was tugging on me a little bit like, Oh, that moved me. So I would definitely say if, if you're interested in seeing it, it's safe, go for it. Don't go and expecting to go there and leave with sermon notes and stuff like that. Cause <laughs> that's not what it is, but good movie. Nonetheless, you yeah, would say, I would say it was a, it was a decent movie. If you had to rate it one to 10, what would you give it? I'm going to give it six tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> like, you remember Rotten Tomatoes? That's still a thing. 
Rotten Tomatoes is still a thing. I don't know if they still voting on there, but Rotten Tomatoes is still a thing. Yeah, I would give it six tomatoes. That's good. That's a sound score. I'd give it the same. What's a ten? Is there is there any movie that you've had that like this is? Uh, a I have movie? such a bias, so I don't think I should answer that question. Forrest Gump. Yes. How's that a bias? Because it's just like my favorite movie. So anytime you say, <laughs> "What's well, your favorite?" Because it's a really good movie. Well, the answer is Forrest Gump. Just there. <laughs> Forrest Gump is a really good movie. Forrest Gump is a really good. It's movie. just so complex. Like I, I don't want to go. I don't want to take too much time. But the new we're here nuances, for an hour. Come on. <laughs> the nuances that went into making that movie, like. The complexity of being a person with disabilities living in a time where the world didn't know a lot about disabilities. The black and white dynamic that went on in there. The conflict of the Vietnam War. I mean, it was just love, loss. It was just. This is for me what I love about Forrest Gump. It's the amalgamation of so. I I think this is similar to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's drama. It's comedy. It's everything you need it's in one movie. Political. Mm-hmm. It's history. Because even though it's a fiction great fictional story, mm-hmm. it's woven into real life things that happen. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, romance. Like it's just so many different things that hit you at the same time. Great acting. And for the time that it was in, the special effects were just freaking amazing. Yeah. For him to be like in actual footage and you got With Tom Richard Hanks. Nixon. In there. Fire! I preach such a great movie. I preach sermons based on Forrest Gump characters. And listen, people are still talking about a life with no legs. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, I preach. I preach Lieutenant Dan, and I stand by that. One of my favorite sermons, like legitimately, yeah. T- come on, Forrest Gump, ten tomatoes for me. Ten out of ten. Do you get, like, is just, that the scale one to ten tomatoes? Like I don't know. I, I just, don't know. I made that up. Ten tomatoes from the one they never told us about. <laughs> Ten tomatoes for a I think it was actually backwards. I, isn't it like if it's rotten tomatoes, then the most tomato? I've seen in percent. It's like sixty percent tomato. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. Good movie. It was a great. It's a great movie. It's a classic movie, and I'm stick beside it. I haven't heard anyone say anything negative about Forrest Gump. You can't. I bet you there's someone who tries to find it. Everybody got their cup of tea, but I would say if you don't like Forrest Gump, something wrong with you. The only thing you can say is that it's a long movie. That's the only thing. But when you don't know it's long, that's when you know you had a good movie. in it. Okay. We got to move on. I have a question for you. (laughs) Because I feel like somebody is watching 20 minutes into the pod. they don't stop talking about Forrest Gump. This is really what they come for. They be like, I guess. It's a great movie. Yeah. 20 minutes in. What's up? You got a question for me? I do. What is? Now, why are you going to take a sip of coffee when I got a question for you? Because you talking. But are you going to have to answer? Put it down. All times I'm saying. <laughs> uh, what's the best piece of relationship advice you've ever received? Best piece of relationship advice still, I've ever received. I gave you time to think about it before here's we even cut the camera on, and you here's, still don't. Here's know. what I think. The best advice I've ever gotten did not come through words. It did not come through someone trying to sound deep to me and tell me nuggets of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It was the real life example I had um, growing up and being discipled by my first pastor, Pastor James L. Hines Mm -hmm. of the Lily Missionary Baptist Church. (laughs) I I was thinking about this today, and I like there's a lot of people have like church horror stories and just being under like terrible leaders. And while I can say like there's no perfect man. I don't care what position they hold in the church. But one thing I know God strategically placed me under his care for it 
was so I can see how he does family. And I had a chance to just go with him. And even when I was a little boy, he'll just, hey, little Russell, ride with me to the bank. <laughs> and I drive to the bank and hearing him talk to his wife, hearing him and everything he does, consider his wife, how he referenced her. I don't care how he always finds a way to talk about this woman. Mm-hmm. I will. I agree. And I don't even know him like you know him, but I always hear about Lansing. He felt, I, I know their story like Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I see that story <laughs> in my mind. Fell in love with her at a young age. His mom rode the school bus. They were next door neighbors. They lived across the street from each other. He used to have his mom go pick up everybody else. Now the bus be at the house. Mm-hmm. Little town of Ben Harvest. She would go, go pick up everybody else and go get her last. So there would only be one spot left. For her to sit, which would be by him mm-hmm. in the front of the bus. That is very mimicking of Forrest Gump. You remember when he got on the bus for the first time and everybody's like, you can't sit here. Mm-hmm. You can't sit here. And then Jenny was like, you can sit here if you want. She had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> fell in love with her in elementary school and only loved this woman for the rest of his life. He tells me a story where he walked from Central Michigan University to Michigan State University on foot. <laughs> don't believe that. No, nobody. I it's not to me. a lot of people who know how far that is, but it's really far. It's like a two-hour drive. So I do not believe this man walked from Grand Rapids to Lansing. Mount. I don't believe. No, no, not, Mount Pleasant. It's Mount Pleasant. Yes. To Grand, and that's more than two hours. <laughs> so, I don't but believe there it. are people I've tried because. If if you, you don't know Pastor James O'Hines, but I'm gonna tell you this: these stories be so far fetched, and you don't know where the embellishment is. You gotta find it like where's Waldo. But there are people who I fact check for this, and they swear by it. They say he would walk and hitchhike, so he, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they're like, I don't know how he got there. <laughs> I anybody give him no right from Mount Pleasant Division State to go see your girl, and this man started before they were even married before she even really committed to like being his girlfriend really good started a savings account forged her signature so that their name were both in the account she could access the money she didn't even know it but he was planning Mm -hmm. for his future with her before she even decided if he was it for her Mm -hmm. started saving money and just being around somebody who is that in love with someone and seeing what that looks like, not what it sounds like. Because while he was crazy about it and talked about it all the time, I've seen him rebuke women who just got a little bit too happy, mm-hmm. who touched a little bit too much. We was in Florida, Orlando, Florida. He took me there for this conference. You asked me, I'm here. He t- you, I just want to know the advice. It's no advice. Oh, man, it's just story. I know what it looks like to love a woman. I know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And... It's so multifaceted and multi-layered. You couldn't sum it up in just one sentence, but I know what that looks like. I know what that example is because I see what it looks like. And I have these things in my mind that I reference back to. Even when I start feeling myself finding it difficult or find myself angry or frustrated, I think about seeing him selfless. I see what it looks like when he has a legitimate reason to be upset about the way something was said to him and how he holds his tongue. Or how he would never open disrespect. Or what it looks like when you're tempted. And it'd be like, don't touch me like that. <laughs> I'm a married... See, get away from me. I've seen him shoo a woman <laughs> away. Shoe. In Orlando, Florida, this woman was... <laughs> just kept like, you know, just touching mm-hmm. him. And he said, all right, daughter. Like, you're touching a little too much. I'm a married man. And she said, you did it. He said... And when she like 
gave him something back. Now I'm gonna tell you like this. <laughs> just but he don't play about his wife. And I know what that looks like. So I can't sum it up in advice, but I will say this. Um I see what it looks like when you're intentionally loving somebody and when your life as a husband is in service to the people who you call your family. I know what that looks like. And it's my reference point. So I'm sorry. I don't have like a advice thing, but that's, that's my first thing that came to my mind. That's funny. I don't have a long drawn out story about a pillar of faith in my, um, you don't have to talk about my story at all. You can just do your thing. You don't have to do all of that at all. So I'm carrying on. No, but. And it was this that really made me mad about pillar of faith. Why are you swinging rounds like that? No, it was beautiful. I actually really like that answer. And I think that um, for not for nothing, it's a lot of what we aim to do for others. It's like just show that it's real, but that. It's possible, right? You don't have like all the marriages and relationships that I had a close up eye on were very contentious, but they had somewhat of a stick to itiveness, right? It was like we gonna stay together come hell or high water, but <laughs> what? I just thought about my own. I I really respect those couples, but man, I'm tired of them. <laughs> Like, you're suffering. Yeah. You don't. You're not happy. And I all I literally always looked at marriage like that's not something I want to do I yeah. don't want to be miserable for the rest of my mm-hmm. life and so um yeah I, I I love that you had that um but the best piece of relationship advice that I got was literally one word like somebody looked at me person that I used to work with um very very pivotal and just like helping me see things from a different perspective because she was older than me she's not my same race like literally gave me a different perspective that I completely would never have never even seen and never had the ability to see. Right. And she just said selfless. And I was like, well, duh, we all should aim to be selfless. And she's like, nah, I don't mean like that. She's like literally less of yourself. Everything that you do in your relationship should be less of you. Like everything that you do should, you should aim to think how does that serve that person more than it serves you. And it's just been me for a very long time, me being a single mom, me trying to make it happen. So a lot of my decision making, a lot of my just purview on life was how do I whatever fill in the blank? And I think that that's something that I really try to keep in the forefront of my mind is like, yeah, I'm in this relationship with you. But if I serve you well, it only benefits me. So I try to take myself out of most of the things that involve us and just see like, okay, how would, how would he be affected? How would this make him feel? How would he receive this piece of information? And I think it's helped. I really do. That's good advice. That's really good advice. She's wise beyond her years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's rich because like, I think it's natural for us to be so in tune with our experience. Absolutely. I, do you remember? I have this profound thought. <laughs> it's not even profound. Right now? Thought. No, no. Oh. I remember when I realized that the world didn't revolve around me. Do you remember the exact moment? I remember thinking that. Like, my thought was, and I was a kid, kid, that how I feel about me or how my whole world revolves around 
me being the main character in it, everybody has the same experience with themselves. Like everyone, like I remember as a kid having the thought of in my world, it's about me. But I remember thinking, but to everybody's world, it's about them. Mm -hmm. Like this same experience I'm having with me, (laughs) everyone's having with themselves. And I remember like being deep in thought in my room. I could, I lived, I knew I was a kid kid because we were still in Ann Arbor and I was a really long time ago. So I remember that moment when I realized that, but it's so crazy to me that it's not even crazy that, that pre-thought before I realized that, Mm -hmm. that drive to fulfill my personal desires to keep me comfortable, to keep me happy, to keep me enjoying my life experience is what drives most of our selfish desire. Mm -hmm. And if you don't come to the realization that your spouse's world doesn't always revolve around you. Preach. But how dope of a marriage will it be if y'all both come to the table with, I'm going to beat you at loving me today. Like I'm I'm gonna love you so good. Not that it's a competition, but I'm just saying, like, what if we're both invested in doing for the other? So I don't have to be overly concerned about what I need because you're concerned about my needs. Mm-hmm. And you don't gotta be overly concerned about what I need because I'm overly concerned about meeting your needs. If that can truly be achieved, we out here. <laughs> we, we, we out, out here, here like we out here ain't we like it's a it's a dope situation but once again easier said than done absolutely like dying to yourself is difficult when there are far more consequential things at stake yeah i mean every day that i wake up the first thing on my mind is not how do i please wrestle today if i'm being very honest with you i think that it's the conscious act to realize that yeah there are 50,000 things happening in my day but i want to prioritize this person and i think when you do that the moments when you can't aren't as impactful because you filled up the bank the love tank of like service so if there is a time where i am stupid busy and can't stop to hug kiss or whatever i would hope that the history of that will far outweigh the deficit that you feel in the moment yeah and so i just i i think about that advice a lot of times like I'm very introspective. So I'm always trying to like problem solve in my head before I ever bring it to you. So I think about like, are there moments in this day, in this week, in this month where I wasn't doing well in my job of just like being in service to you? And Mm. I can always pinpoint moments where I can say for myself, like, yeah, that was a failure. You should have stopped. You should have done X, Y, and Z. And I think it's very um, timely that we're having this conversation just because we also posted the clip recently of, I I don't want to do all that just to get a hug. Dang, when I talk about that, I'm a task-oriented person and Mm. I love to get what I'm doing done and then we can have that time. Um, And I just think about in those moments, like when I made that statement, I wasn't thinking of what you need from me in in your moments of need or deficit. Um, And that's something that I want to be able to do better is like, Wayne, how important is this thing that I'm doing? How important is it 
that you need me and which one wins this time. And I always want to choose you. Is that is that the hardest area for you? Like in terms of like service, what would you say requires the most effort on your end? Like what doesn't come as like natural? I, I don't think it's the hardest part for me just because I'm, I think my, one of my highest love languages is acts of service. Like I love to just take care of people. Like I've done it for so long that it's just become a part of who I am. But the hardest part of it is when I'm in deficit myself and still mm. trying to push through. And it may not be in deficit because you're not holding up your piece, but we're complex people and we have a lot going on. And if I don't feel the best about myself, I think it's really hard to pour into and love someone else. And it's being able to accurately express like, hey, this is where I'm at. I have trouble um, saying that I'm not 100% right now. Mm. And saying I'm not 100% right now oftentimes makes me feel like I'm not doing a good job. And I don't ever want to feel like I'm not doing a good job at being a mom, at being a wife, at being a friend, and mm. you know, whatever. So um, trying to push through that when you just don't feel it, it that's the difficult part for me. That's the um, undercurrent for like, people who are passionate about serving others. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for every wave of momentum towards where you want to go, there's that other returning current that's pulling you further out to where you don't want to go, right? So, like, when you're mad passionate about serving people, it's easy for you to get lost in the shuffle of who needs to get taken care of. And it don't matter how much people serve you, there's a void that's always going to be filled because – there's something something's only you can do for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know I think people who I don't know personally how people whose love language or just general nature is acts of service. I don't know how they manage to balance that without a relationship with God. Like I can have 15 people pouring into me as much as I pour out, but it's something that he provides that just, is it like a sustaining power? It's something that no matter how low that I drop, I'll never get low enough where I don't want to do that or don't desire to do that. And I see, I think that's where you see a lot of people who get burnt out is that they just don't have that. I'm going to say faith foundation where no matter what somebody else is giving to you, you still have a firm foundation rooted in something else that is always giving to you. Yeah. And um, I do recognize that it is very, very easy to get burnt out when you're the one that everybody goes to. You're the one that's serving everybody. But I just believe that that my faith is what allows me to keep going even when I don't necessarily feel like it. But anybody who is, in a relationship with God knows that there's always a fight between your faith and your flesh. And mm -hmm. in my flesh, sometimes I'd be like, look, I don't want to do nothing for none of y'all. I think that's when you get the moments of like, I'm going to go get a hotel room. Cause I've been doing, and you I'm always say that, but you've never actually <laughs> told me he's going to hotel room. Listen, I was plotting on you though. Cause you know, I was supposed to go to Detroit for work and it's supposed to be this like crazy snowstorm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe I should go. And then just tell him that the roads is too bad to drive back because he ain't really been on board with this, get a hotel room. But if I tell him I'm scared to drive back, then I can get a hotel room, but it's in Wyandotte. And if it was in downtown Detroit, I might've did it. But because it's in Wyandotte, I was like, man, I'd be stuck out there. I ain't gonna have uh, nothing to do. 
Nah, I hope it do still. <laughs> Stuck a wine dot, aren't you? <laughs> Sucks to be you. But yeah. I think that's where those those moments come from, where it's just like, I'm in a fight with my faith and my flesh. I feel empty and my flesh is winning right now and I just need to get away. Yeah, I feel, I feel really, I really empathize with givers because mm-hmm. it's such a gift to... Because if you know people who are really wired like that, it's different with the person who doesn't mind doing it. And it's different with the person who, you know, does it in spite of them not really being their thing. Like, that's me. Like, I'm a financially, I don't mind giving. If I got it and you need it, I don't mind giving it. Mm. But there's a certain mindful quality that is a gift from God. Like, it takes a special person to be like, hey, um, I remember this is the day your your brother passed away. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to check on you, mm-hmm. see how you're doing. Like, that's different. Mm-hmm. Like, if I think of it, oh, man, hey, how you doing? If I might get sidetracked, oh, dang, man, I forgot oh, to. I was about to say, be honest, because you would think about it and then move on to 50 other things. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very, I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm like, babe, did you? You know what? I did not. Dang, <laughs> I forgot. But it's a gift to like for it to be so set in your heart, the needs of somebody else Mm -hmm. that you almost feel bad if you don't meet the need. Yeah. And I I empathize with those people because people who are true givers, they attract takers. Oh, for sure. They they attract the people who are drawn to people who are like, I'll just give, give and give and give. And the people who really have that gift, it's rare you find people who can do it on that level consistently consistently yeah because it's like that's a certain it's a gift mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like i don't care how much you like music if i can't sing i can't sing that's a gift mm-hmm. you can go to many voice lessons as you want to if mm-hmm. you can't you can't <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's a skill set and i really feel like that like the same way for giving i'll never forget the how moved you were um you have a friend i ain't gonna call out her name because you know i don't like putting people's name out there but you have a friend who has that same gift as you mm-hmm. and i see why it blesses you so much because you're equally yoked in the area Absolutely. so i see you do something like you'll mention oh man i always wanted a, a, a apple watch oh i for her to remember that mm-hmm. and we slated be like oh i had i don't use this one anymore here me. I'm literally about to cry thinking about it. Like, <laughs> but it's so dope. Like, hey, I, I made this. I know you like this soup. I made this soup. Here, I brought you some, what I love the fruit. Like, and because for a person that is a giver, I think you never expect nobody to match your level of like sincerity, right? Yeah. Because to me, it's not even about what you give me. It's about the sincerity of your heart. Yeah. Like, I do things for you because deeply in my heart. I want to see you happy. I want to please you. I care about your well-being. It's a part of you that's literally fulfilled by doing for others. I care about your well-being. So to think that, I think when you have that mindset, you never expect to get it in return. Yeah. Just because, and mostly it's because you've been failed in that area for a very long time or by significant people in your life. So you're like, if mama and daddy ain't giving into me at this level. There's no way that a stranger is going to do that or just a friend is going to do that. So it's a surprise when somebody's like, you know what? And it's not like 
it, like you said, tomato soup. It don't have to be the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch was bomb, and I was so thankful. It don't even for have it. to be all of that. But yeah. it's just like number one, you know, I like to eat, and you know, I love this tomato soup that nobody in your family really eats, but yeah. you just make it because the people around you it's just like, like to eat. I, it. I intentionally thought about you, yeah. and the people who have that gift, the enemy will strategically try to attack it. Oh, 100%. like you'll find the people who have that gift also have some of the most heartbreaking stories of someone who was supposed to be there. Not even that they had to, but it was like a key figure. You, This is your job. Like, this ain't even like, hey, I thought of you. It's like, no, this is your job. Whether you thought about it or not, this is your position in my life. Where are you at? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's so dope that how God will like, uh, what's the word I'm talking about? Where he like, not replaces, but you know what I'm saying? How he will literally send you people oh, yeah. to make up for the ones that failed. So oh, like, yeah. even like, hey, look, I see what you sown. It's people that stand in the gap. And I'm going to mm-hmm. send people who will help you reap what you sown. Yeah. You know I, what I'm saying? I think it was Sarah Jakes Roberts, and I was just recently watching one of her sermons. But she said that basically the same thing that you're saying, like your area of gifting, your area of purpose is something that the enemy attacks very early yeah. on. Like you feel this thing inside of you, like, oh, I could be really great in this area. I could make an impact in this area. I mean, from a very little age, you may not know what it is, but you just feel something different in you. And that is the area before you're able to fully understand what that thing is that the enemy will start to attack you in so that that thing never fully develops. It- and, I can say that 110% that I always have had a desire to be in service to people, but I've had that be abused or I think there is a certain level to of people who are givers that want an acknowledgement that you did that for them. And when you don't get that, it is very damaging because you don't know how to receive that. And it feels like unappreciation or it Mm. feels like rejection of the thing that you're trying to give to show your love to somebody. And when you're not able to fully understand, like, that's not exactly what that is just because Mm. they didn't acknowledge it. It starts to taint that spirit in you that wants to give. But now it's like, I ain't doing nothing for nobody. They don't appreciate me. They don't ever give back to me. You know, but the truth of the matter is the reason why that's the reason why giving for you is so significant. And it fulfills you so much is because that's like, for most people, that was the area you were crushed. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're not familiar with like the church world or like biblical terms, like, your anointing or the thing that you do on a supernatural level, this thing that like you're enabled by God to do on a higher level than most people. We call that the anointing. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like your oil, but you get oil from something from like crushing it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of time your area where you got oil is area you were crushed at. And so for the people who are givers, most of the time giving is so significant for them because they know what it's like for someone not to in, intentionally love them not to intentionally give to them where they were like hey i'm in a position where i really need this but they didn't get it Mm -hmm. so they know what it means to be there for somebody Mm -hmm. now you'll take someone who's had every amenity every silver spoon and everything laid out for them at that they might not know what it means to do that because it's always been readily available it's always been there but you take somebody who's been crushing the area they know what it is to be there for somebody they know what it is so it's like um it's this quote by this dude named wayne dyer and he said 
when you see things diff- when you see things differently, you'll see things change. Oh, no, no. I messed that quote up. <laughs> no, no. When you change the way you see things, the things you see change. And what he means by that is like when your perspective shifts, you'll start to understand and appreciate things just differently. Right. When you look back on the thing that like really almost broke you, when you look at it with a new perspective, you can see how God like used it and what his plan was with it the whole time. Because your gift most of the time is birthed out of like some stuff that wasn't so fun. You know yeah, I mean? absolutely. I don't think <clears throat> like if in the natural sense of what we talk about being a giver, I think we always think about like a possession or something materialistic that somebody gave <clears throat> to you. And as a kid, I had everything I could want to ask for. Like if my mom didn't get it for me, my grandparents were like right there. Johnny on the spot would give me anything that I wanted. And I, I knew as a child that I was what people call spoiled, right? Like everybody would be like, oh, she's so spoiled. All my cousins and everything. And I knew it too. Like, yeah, I'm spoiled. But I don't think that I realized just how much you cannot replace the core things that you need in life with materialistic things. Oh, yeah. Like somebody being there for you, somebody to cheer you on, the support. And although my mom and my grandparents were so good at making sure that I my material needs were met and I had a home that was full with love. Some things can be replaced. There's just things that cannot be replaced. Yeah. And I can look back and be like, there are significant periods of time in my life where I just wanted somebody to be there to hug me and be like, you know what? That sucks that you feel that way or that sucks that somebody did that mm-hmm. to you. And so I think that's more of my area of gifting. Like I am the ear for people. I am that person that is like, I'm not going to ask you anything intrusive about your life. I'm just going to create a space where you can share. And if you choose to share, I'm just there to listen and support back into you. And I took, I think I took that not for granted, but I didn't appreciate that about myself until very recently. Mm. I think that I would get the thought and the inclination to like, you should call and check on X, Y, and Z. And just wouldn't do it. And then I'd hear a story associated with them, that person going through something right at that time frame where I got the nudging to like reach out to them. Mm. It wasn't until I started to listen to those things like let, same as this relationship, like selfless in every relationship that I have, mm. like less of me. I might not feel like they're going to receive what I want to say. Or maybe I feel like they don't want to be bothered. So I'll talk myself out of reaching out to them. But like, it's not about me. I don't care if it makes me feel insecure to extend myself to somebody. And I posted something on Facebook about this. Like, I realized that I'll I'll always be a better friend to some people than they are to me. And I'm okay with that. You have to be. That came with the realization that like, my relationships are not always about what you can give to me. Some of my relationships are truly about what I can give to you. And I'm okay with that. You have to be like, it It would be a perfect world. If every relationship was an even give and take of what I pour into you, you can equally pour back into me. 
But that's unrealistic. But you don't know how many people were in them comments like, couldn't be me. No, I'm uh, matching energy. I'm giving people what they give me. And I'm like, that's such a miserable way to live. That's people who are hurt. That's people who are hurt. Like, there's some, like, I don't care how, how much, how well you raise your child and how much you enjoy being a parent. That is a relationship that's supposed to be unequally yoked in terms of what you pour into. Absolutely. You're the parent. I don't even it's want you, my kids to get your back job to, me to what I gave them. Yeah, like they're not your emotional support. Yeah, you're theirs. It's dope if they can provide that on some level, but you should far outweigh them as being the more you're supposed to be the more emotionally <laughs> mature. You're supposed to be the one leading, guiding them. You're the one providing for them. That's not you're supposed to pour into them on a far greater level than. You know what I'm saying? They pour into you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's some friendships, not even friendships, assignments. Absolutely. Literally assignments. People who God brought into your life for the sole purpose of you making a deposit, mm-hmm. planting a seed. Mm-hmm. That's not based on what they do for you. Absolutely not. And if you look for that, you'll miss the opportunity to really enrich somebody's life. Yeah. And I I mean, literally in this season, that is what God has been showing me. And I almost like wanted to take it back when I put it out there on Facebook. Like, dang, am I looking at that the wrong way? But the Holy Spirit had to check me. Like, nah, your heart is in the right place if you can love somebody and they don't love you back. Man, it's the it the way I think God will shape perspectives. And when you start looking at things the way God looks at them, you'll start understanding how the more you adopt that idea. And it, try to explain it. It's so opposite of what comes natural to what our flesh pulls us to do. Yeah. You start talking language like turn the other cheek and it's like, hey, yo, what? <laughs> I still got a little bit of Peter in me. I ain't reached that level of godliness where I'm willing to turn the other cheek if somebody smack me. I'm still working on that. But but I mean, get but, what you're saying. <laughs> but my thing is like, even if that's your flesh, don't deny what's godly and what's not godly. Oh, 100%. And that's what bothers me about people because that's what doesn't come natural to them. They'll just throw out the principle altogether. Like that ain't me. <laughs> hey, I'm like uh, you Duck hit me. You buck. I grew up in the 2000s, and that's cool. That's cool. But don't celebrate that like that is the right thing. admirable mm-hmm. or like the the way you should be. No, I feel you, and I understand. <laughs> I'm with you, but let's not celebrate that and act like that's how God rocks. No, what did He say? Because mm-hmm. that's what we're supposed to be living our life like. Mm-hmm. And if that's what He say is the goal. I'm not celebrating doing the opposite. I can empathize because like, hey, you, you know what I'm saying? But it, it's like that, that, that nudge and pull to live fully in your flesh and not walk in the spirit and growing your spirit, man. Mm-hmm. And the more you start talking that language like that, the more you'll see how everybody like, hey, yo. And I feel like I bump up against that all the time. Like there's so many conversations I have. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm saying something that's like wise. And helpful. <laughs> They're like, nah, that's stupid, yeah, fam. Yeah. I mean, literally, yeah. comment after comment, I was like, hold on. I, I literally had to check myself. Like, was I right about like, dude? And not that I expect everybody else to understand that. But I think when I put it out there, I expected people to be like, oh, that, you know, Dang, I wish I could look at it like that or something. But people were literally closed off to it. And not that I don't get it, because I do. Because God had to bring me from a mighty long way to be like this. But like I 
like you said, I think that thing was always in me and now it just has the opportunity to present itself um, in a way that it never could before because I was dealing with so much hurt, so much disappointment that it clouded my judgment on how I can use my gifting to impact, impact those around me. Yeah. Matching energies is the quickest way for you to abandon impact. Yeah. And plus some people is filled with a lot of negative, dirty, evil energy. And I don't want to match that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, here's a situation where I see somebody who I truly value and I see I enjoy being in their presence. Right. Now, we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much you love them. I don't care how dope they were in the beginning. They're going to have a bad day. Mm-hmm. They're not always going to be operating at 100%. Some days they might have a trigger from past trauma. Some days you might say something that puts them in a bad space. And when you settle into the mindset of matching their energy, you rob yourself of the experience of impacting people in a positive way. Absolutely. Why would I want to settle for whatever tone you set? Nah. Because you said, I'm sad. Because you got an attitude. Now I'm going to have an attitude. No, I want to enjoy my night. Mm. So, but, but I don't think people understand the impact. Like your presence is for not, not everybody, <laughs> but there are some people who literally can shift a room. Absolutely. And, and I good and bad. So it is it is everybody because your energy can sway a room one way or the other when you have that gifting. I learned this. I, my, I worked a job and I, I know this was so strategic why God placed me here. But I worked in a job where for four months up to a year, I had teenage boys. Now, first of all, teenagers are the most moody, hormonal, difficult group to work with. But you take the worst behaviors in the state of Michigan. The juvenile say, we don't know what else to do. So they send them to a residential placement is what we call them Mm -hmm. for four months up to a year away from family, away from friends. And we say, we hope you can make an impact in their life so we can stop the cycle of going in and out of the juvenile, hoping that they make a change. We need something a little bit more intense. Every day I'm walking into this house at three o'clock with kids stripped away from their families Mm -hmm. Kids who have tons of trauma, kids who sometimes before I came in got into an argument, got disrespected by another stuff. Like they have every like reason in the world. <laughs> they have every reason in the world to be mad at the world. Mm-hmm. And when I come in every day, I have to try to shift that room. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's going on, fam? bro? Bro, nah, bro. Uh, Mrs. Such Such said I can't have my snack. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Man, I'm trying to call my mama, bro. Like they won't let me get my phone call. And every day. I got to come in and shift that room. But I discovered, like, if I come in there and it's like, man, I got to come back to this job another day. Man, these kids, man, they da, 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 da. if I come in with that, my day is shot. But if I come in every day and all 12, 13 of these boys, I pull into my world, I make them smile, I make them laugh. I don't focus on a problem, but I focus on solutions. I pour into them. Then I create the experience I want. Then the next shift I have, we having fun. We playing spades. We watching movies. It's a great day. Yeah. But that same impact can happen 
even more so when it was with people who love you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's the same like in relationships. And I hate to bring this up because I know it was such a strong point of contention. But essentially, that's what I was getting at that day that you had a bad day at work and you didn't necessarily feel supported by me saying, hey, take your time, go away and then come back. Because I recognize oh. <laughs> that you do drive a lot of the energy in the house. Like I'm. Yeah. I say it all the time. I'm a naturally like stoic, very even keeled person. I show my love in a different way. You, the way that you impact this household is something that can't be replaced. Even if I'm like, okay, he having a bad day. I'm going to try to be the Russell today. I just don't have that gifting. You have an atmospheric shifting energy, anointing, whatever you want to call it on you. And I recognize that when you don't have a bad day, this house is more quiet. It's more everybody to themselves. Like, but when you are in, you're just naturally flowing in who you are. You know, we joking, we wrestling, we having fun. So I think that's what I meant because that same, I'm a match this energy is the same thing that people have in their relationships. Wife been having a bad day for a long time. And now instead of you trying to help her get come out of that and shift that, it's now like, nah, I'm just matching her energy. She, she ain't giving me nothing. So I ain't giving her nothing. Or wife is like, shoot, he been out with his boys and he ain't paying no attention to me. So I ain't paying no attention to him no more. And like, that is detrimental to not only just like your marriage, but like your state of being as a person, you especially do, when you're meant to be an energy uh, atmosphere shifter. Yeah. You can't do any relationship like that. You got a friend and they're not talking to you as much. They're not calling as much in your mind. They acting funny. So you matching their energy, but you don't know they depressed. Yeah. You don't know they going through something. So instead of saying, Hey, are you good? Hey, come on, let's go get some, instead of like trying your best to pull them out mm -hmm. and not pull them out, but just Reach the out. ministry of presence, mm -hmm. just being there. Mm -hmm. But to say that for me to be in your presence, you got to make me feel good goes against the real nature of what relationship is supposed to be. It's the word you said right from the beginning, selflessness. Absolutely. It's like, I can only deal with you if you make me feel good. Now I'm not saying A lot of us would be real lonely If that was really the, facts. the case Now don't get me wrong I'm not saying that you should Endure abuse Like I'm not talking about the opposite in mm -hmm. Where being around somebody is harmful I'm just talking about Somebody not all the time Being at their best And you still having a posture of If you part of my circle mm -hmm. If I say I love you That comes with a certain mindset That you don't get to stay down Yeah Like if you depressed I feel you at minimum. I'm going to be there with you. Like it, it, it befuddles me. I like that word that your dad gave me befuddle. It befuddles me. <laughs> I never been more irritated in my life ever in my life until this moment right here. This is the highest epitome of pissophony that I've ever experienced. I love it right here. I love it. Your dad, he'd be having some gems. And it was the reference to him that really made <laughs> befuddles me. Credit. I like that way your dad gave me befuddle. Your dad gave me that word. But anyways, um, how many people in this day and age are trying to be influencers, right? We recognize that we have a powerful impact on people. And if somebody will pay us, 
will use that influence to influence everybody in the world. But the people, the closest up on you, you won't be an influencer in their life. You won't influence them to do better. You won't influence them to love better. You won't influence them to get off drugs. You won't influence them to be a better parent. But you want to influence the world. Like, I really just don't understand that. That's a bar. Be an influencer in your home first. Everybody want followers. Lead your home first. Everybody want to grow and be popular. Be popular with the people you love first. Like, serve the people right next to you. <laughs> like, it, like, as much energy as we give looking like something on social media, actually be that to the people who you claim you love. It's really the epitome of that scripture. Like, you can tell a tree by its fruit, right? Mm. Because I can't tell you and everybody knows like you get on social media and you see these big influencers or celebrities or whoever they are but they got a torturous relationship with their parents their kids don't speak to them like i don't want to follow anybody where your fruit the people the closest up on you are struggling are in in despair are angry at you for whatever reason and you're not doing anything to nurture that relationship or make that relationship better but you want to sell me a product you want to tell me how to live my life you want to tell me what I should read and what I should do to be a better person when like the people closest up to you aren't better people because you in their life I don't want to follow that nah nah I um I was during my study time this morning, I got brought to James three and 11. And it was this thought process of, um, it's a scripture says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives? Can a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Mm -hmm. It's like what you say you are be that Mm -hmm. like, there's certain things that can't like, Regardless of what atmosphere you're in, a grapevine is never going to produce olives. Never. I don't care what's going on in the atmosphere. A salt body of water is never going to produce fresh water. Mm-hmm. And if you're a great, be a great regardless of what atmosphere you're in. If you're yeah. naturally a joyful, if you're a light, if you are salt to flavorless situations, don't switch up when a person who needs you most in this moment stops being able to produce that. If I like that day, like like we say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Absolutely right. So the fact that because I wasn't my best in that moment, you recognize that, and and like you know what I'm saying, you appreciated the fact of what I contribute. I can respect that, but you've always been that for me. Like you, this is the first relationship where I don't always have to be the funny one. <laughs> like you make me laugh. It's true. I am the funniest in this relationship. Now, now, take your foot off the gas pedal because I didn't say you were the funniest. I said you're funny, mm. kind of, mm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You made me giggle sometimes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, like, I don't always have to be Johnny on the spot. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay for me not to have a good moment or a good day mm-hmm. without feeling the pressure of, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. It Like, Everybody wants the um, faucet and drain analogy, right? Like we want to be able to pour. And sometimes I'm going to be a drain mm-hmm. and I want you to pour into me. And there are certain relationships that need to have that equal yoking. But there are there is another area here where sometimes you're assigned to some people. 
Yeah, absolutely. In in those assignment roles, to be or not that part. <laughs> like, nah, you had a kid, fam. <laughs> like, that's your child. It, it sucks to be you, but that's your child, bro. Like, that's an assignment for you until you get called home. You know, that used to be one of the things that my my dad used to say. Like, she don't ever call me. I'm a kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to check on me. Make sure I'm good. My well-being is being taken care of. You right, I don't call you. you, I'm sorry, I'm eight. (laughs) And we don't even have cell phones right now. Haven't even been invented. I don't even know where you live. Like, but it's just stuff like that. But you see that all the time. Yeah, that's that's all they do is take their children. They're the children. And it's a thankless job. Like you, you, you. Your thank you in parenting is not always going to come from their mouth. It's them doing well in life. It's the fruit. Yes. When you are like tilling the soil and you breaking up the soil and you plant seeds and you working night and day to make the the fruit come up out the ground, you're not going to get a thank you. But when you see the fruit, when you see the the fruit of your labor, Mm -hmm. that's the thank you. It's like I put. I worked this ground. I worked this ground. I put seeds in the ground. I watered it. I nurtured and it. Became it. something. And now I have apples. <laughs> it's it's apple pie. Thank God I did it. The trees out the ground. It's the work mm-hmm. that was assigned to your hands. Mm-hmm. How crazy is a farmer for expecting the, the corn stock to? <laughs> be like, I, I'm out here every day slaving. I don't get a. It ain't giving me nothing. What? <laughs> fam, fam, work the ground. Do what's assigned to your hands and do well at it. Work is unto the Lord and everything you need to be fulfilled in that role will come from what you get in return. Absolutely. And it's not always going to be a, hey, thank you. I really appreciate you for what you. And sometimes you do get that. But it could be just somebody living a better life. And to me, you don't never have to say thank you. If something I said to you made you live a better life. Good. We're Gucci. You don't owe me nothing. That part. And I ain't even fully appreciate my parents till I had kids of my own. Listen. I said, hey, oh, wow. <laughs> hey, you know what? Did I used to do this? I be going to my mom all the time. Did, did I ever? Oh, I did. I'm sorry. Said, nah, Look, you was worse. <laughs> I want you to know something. I appreciate you. <laughs> Look. Because I don't know how you did it. Man, I you know what I think about all the time? Like, lights are on all the time. And I always go around, like, cutting lights off. Mm-hmm. And I think about all the times my dad was like... Cut the lights off of you. Well, you just got the light on all day. Mm. And I'm like, why is this such a big deal? But when you start paying the light bill. Mm-mm, you know what it is for me? When they don't eat all their food. I was like, I'm not going to eat all my food. I'm full. I don't want no more. Nah, I still don't mess with that. I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> and I could not understand. Like, my stomach literally don't have capacity to eat no more. She's like, you better eat it. I paid $15. <laughs> I'd be like, I, I'm going to be sick. But now, when I see a half-eaten McDonald's or... Whatever it is, I done slaved. When you the one pay for it, <laughs> like I done ate and left all this food here on the plate. It is all this chicken still on the bone. You didn't even Look at eat all that. <laughs> all this meat on this bone. No I would not. Yeah, I would not go as far as my grandma did because she would pull it out the trash and be like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, it still got meat on this." But I'd be like, "I put it out the trash." No, but, if but they when played it's on, on the, the plate, table, I'd be like, "All this meat on that no bone, I'm making. You're not eating no chicken." Or when he'd be like, "It's fat," I'm like, "The fat, the best part." Like, dang, I sound just like my mom. My dad used to make me eat the pizza crust. I used to get so mad. Oh, I don't like my. the crust. You ain't going to waste that crust. 
the crust? I eat the whole pizza. I got to eat the crust. $22. You may eat that crust. I just used to throw it away before she saw it. Cause I, I used to I get so like mad. Like, why? I don't understand this. But when you the person that got to pay, and we, oh, man, that's so that's rich. I'm going to preach that. I'm going to preach that. Because when you're the person who had to sacrifice for it. Like, I didn't know when I was eating the pizza that this was the last. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, that part that we eating dinner at five and I only could afford one pizza. Mm-hmm. So this meal you're getting right now is the last meal you're going to get. Ain't no snack, ain't no dessert. This got to hold you till tomorrow. So eat the crust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Facts. I, know and I like, didn't eat. Fill your belly. The four pieces that I wanted. So you could have three pieces. Man. So Ooh. please. Wow. Eat the crust. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we title this episode? No. You always be coming hey, up with these obscure titles. Brandy gets so mad at me when I name the name of the uh, episode. If y'all ever see anything in all caps, it's Russell. If it don't make sense, it's Russell. I'd be like, you name this Brandy open the door. Nobody's going to want to read Weakest Creek Water. Nobody's going to open that. Little Easter eggs. You'd be like, what's that mean? <laughs> no. Eat the crust. What do I got to do with anything? You get to this point, you be like, oh, eat the crust. <laughs> I get it. Nah, nah, bro. <laughs> I'm here for it. Man, good conversation. It is. It wasn't even what we came to talk about, but look at guy just doing what he does. Just had his way, didn't Come he? My shit can't get a full shot. Say it again. I can't. Yes, you it's can. be natural. Besheke. <laughs> I'm about to play it again. Besheke. All right, now. Well, I, Someone well, who got the gift of Biosha. What, uh, Said I, remember honor when he was in children's <laughs> he's like why why the parents always be saying ebbbi show <laughs> ebbidiosha i was like what they say <laughs> someone who got to give him interpreting tongues i need you to tell me what that one was mm, that's just that one's personal between me and god not in the person who can interpret he said ah, okay <laughs> hey write us tell us what she said all right let us know i'll be wanting to know all right y'all um, we'll be back on Thursday to unpack this a little bit more, go a little further with the conversation, and once again, just see where the conversation takes us. If you have not been to a live, where is you at? Like, what are you doing? Come meet us, Facebook, YouTube, Eastern Standard Time, uh, 8.30 p.m.-ish. And always, if you want to support the show, you can hit us up on Cash App. We are dollar sign, what they never told us, Whoop. and face, uh Support does not always come in the form of money. You can support us by liking, sharing, and commenting on any piece of content that we have on social media. Let us influence you. We got good fruit. That part. And also, if you'd like to take it a step further, you can. there's a link in the description of this episode uh, for our streaming platform, Buzzsprout. You can subscribe to us for $3 a month. Helps us keep the lights on in this place. Okay. And it's a lot of lights in here. So we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Cheaper than a coffee from Bigby. Come on, y'all. Come on now. $3 a month. <laughs> you spend that on what? What's time you spend more than $3 on? Coffee. Coffee. You said it. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> we, we about to get up out of here. We love y'all. Pray for our vegan meal tonight. Um, pray for the vegans out there <laughs> that their sacrifice will yield dividends aging backwards. And they deserve it. Yes, they do. They deserve that it. That is a great sacrifice. Every flavorless bite, taking them back in time. <laughs> and I'm here for it. We, we love y'all. And y'all should love love too. But that ain't how it go. We should I love wouldn't. love. <laughs> I Let's don't try think, a different side off this never, time. Life is like a box of chocolates. I'm not doing you that. You never know what you're going to get. I'm, I'm going to say life is like a box of chocolates I'm, and I want you to say I'm not you doing never it. know what you're going to get. I am not doing it. If you do it, we can name this episode... Uh, 
What'd you say? Eat <laughs> the crust. <laughs> I'm lying. I am not going to do it. I was going to do that same thing. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> get. No, no, I'm not doing it. Dang it. We love love. And y'all should love love too. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.